0: Everybody will make their way into the sanctuary. We won't stand up right away. I know we'll do a lot of standing, and that's okay, if you can, if you're able. But welcome and blessed on this Memorial Day weekend uh, and the week to come. As we remember all those that have uh, fought and and, uh, given their lives, given their everything for this country. um, Be thankful for that, uh, that we can come into a place like this with freedom and not be worried about uh, intrusion. I know uh, the, the freedom is getting uh, scarce as the day it comes, but there is a freedom that can be given that won't be taken away, uh, and it was bought by the blood of Christ. And so if you have not experienced that freedom, if you haven't given your life and asked him to give you the Lord of your life, uh, maybe this day will be that day that you will uh, receive uh, that eternal freedom uh, Then you will be with him. Uh, There's a line in this song that we're about to do Savior, worthy of honor and glory Worthy of all our praise You overcame Jesus, awesome in power forever Awesome and great is your name You overcame And putting your faith in him You overcome as he overcame He said that promise is to you You receive him into your life He knows your life and he knows what you need to do Day by day More than we do ourselves So I hope this is a awakening for that. Let's all stand as we are.
1: to see.
2: serve a risen Savior overcame death, hell, and the grave and can overcome anything in your life. And so I'm glad that you are with us this morning This, um, as, as we are gathered this Memorial Day weekend, this Sunday at, at Northside. Uh, if you are some of our home folks, obviously we're glad you're here, but if you're a guest of ours, we would love to know a little bit more about who you are um, and uh, just a way we can minister to you maybe. Uh, fill out the, the card that's in your, that's in your bulletin. And put that in the offering plate, or you can hand it to a minister at the end of the service at the, at the door. But well, we'd love to know who you are. But today, uh, right now, we want to greet one another. So find somebody, maybe somebody that you don't know, maybe somebody you had not seen since last week. But shake their hand and let them know you're excited to be in the house of God.
1: i I'm not the
0: you've given us to come here and worship you lord please bless all these tithes and offerings and help them to further your kingdom in your name amen
2: Children, would you come and join me up front, please? Alright, how are we doing today? Hey, is your name Barnacle? No? Yeah, Brooklyn, okay, okay. Hey, it's okay, you can hug me if you want to. Um, well, hey, listen, there is a, a game that I've played before anyone ever played a game called Two Truths and a Lie? You've played that game? Mm-hmm. All right. So do you, do you know how to play? Can you explain it? How do you play Two Truths and a Lie? So, so, so you think of two truths and you think of
1: one lie, and um,
2: uh-huh. someone has to guess what lie is. Okay, so there are two things that are true about, it's something about you, right, that you're doing, and then one thing that's not true about you, right? And when we say those things, you have to guess you have to guess which one is, is not true, which one is the lie, okay? So, now, two of you are going to have a little bit of advantage here, but um, I'm going to try this. So, listen, listen carefully what, what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you three things, okay? You see that? Who's over here? Three things, three things, and you got to figure out which one is not true about me, okay? Are you ready? Are you ready? All right. Uh, first of all, When I was in high school, I was the band captain and played trombone, okay? That's the first thing. Second thing, second thing, I have five brothers and sisters. I have five brothers and sisters, okay? And the third thing, I've gotten to travel a lot. I've been to New York, Tokyo, and Mexico City at some point in my life. So those are the three things, all right? So... So the first one is I was band captain and played trombone. I have five brothers and sisters, and I've traveled to New York, Tokyo, and Mexico City. Now you don't get to go first, okay? Can any of you think which one of those things is not true? Anybody have any idea which one is not true? What anybody? What what do you think maybe is not true? You can't remember. Did I play trombone? Do I have lots of brothers and sisters? Or have I been to some big cities? No, I have. I've been to all three of those places. Been to all three of those places, gotten to travel. Okay, Hannah, which one is it? You have five brothers and sisters. Right. uh, How many brothers and sisters do I have? Four. No, No, you do. I have one brother, I have one brother, I don't have any sisters, I have one brother, okay? So yeah, so look, this is just a silly little game that that we play sometimes in the youth, and I've played before, and it's just a fun way to get to know people, get to know a little bit about people, so hey, listen, this is what I want to tell you though, that was just a little game. Now look at me, What what happens if we're not in a game and we tell a lie? Is that a good thing? Or is that not such a good thing? Yeah. That's not, is it? We shouldn't lie, should we? We should We should be people that tell the truth. Yeah, and so whenever we lie, it really gets us in trouble. It might get other people in trouble. And it's just, it's just not good. The Bible says that we need to be people who have integrity and we tell the truth. In today's story, listen, look at me. In today's story, we're going to see people that came to church and they lied about... They, they lied to the church. They lied about the money they were bringing to the church. And it didn't end very well for them. Okay? We should be people that have integrity. Integrity, and we, and we need to be people that tell the truth. Can you tell the truth? That's hard, isn't it? Can you tell the truth? Oh, there's really two answers, yes or no. Yes, sir, or no, sir, Pastor BJ. Can you tell the truth? Yes. Do you all speak English? Maybe that's a... All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together this morning, and Lord, I know that uh, I know even as adults sometimes it's not always easy to tell the truth, but Lord, that's what's best. And so, Father, I help uh, help help these children uh, to understand that telling the truth and being honest is what you ask of us. And so, Lord, let us be people that speak the truth uh, whenever we have that opportunity. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Once again.
3: soul to answer him, to let my feet
2: Remain standing. Uh, Turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 5. We will be there today. I'm going to read the first few verses of Acts chapter 5. Acts 5 1. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with, with his wife's knowledge and brought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds from this field? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you planned this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men but to God. When he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead, and a great fear came on all who heard. The young men got up, wrapped his body, carried him out, and buried him. There was an interval of about three hours when his wife, uh, then his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Tell me, Peter asked her, did you sell the field for this price? Yes, she said, for that price. Then Peter said to her, why did you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. And instantly she dropped dead at his feet. When the young men came in, they found her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. Then great fear came on the whole church and on all who heard these things. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray that you bless the reading of it. Give me words this morning to hear, uh, to, to, to preach a message from you. Give us open hearts and ears to hear your word this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. Before I even get into the sermon, I want you to note that... Uh, In this particular worship service in the Book of Acts, it was three hours past, and so hey, if we get out at twelve, you're still doing good here, right? Oh, okay, all right. Now you know, last week we were in chapters three and four, and we were discussing a little bit about Peter and John and their persecution that that was uh, directed toward them, and uh, I just wanted to. take a step back a little bit and and look at look at a big picture uh, you know have you ever ever been up to um, lookout Mountain in Georgia and they say you can see seven states I've I've been there and I just have to take their word for it because I didn't see anything on a map there were no little dots or anything popping up and but but you know you, you get a bigger picture if you were down in the woods and you were looking at the trees you wouldn't see as as much and and, and just there's just something about stepping back and seeing a bigger picture of things, or if you're in the airplane and you fly over and you look out the window and you see, you, you really begin to feel insignificant, or at least I do when I see something and, and see how vast this, this planet is and, and just the, the places around. But, but right now in this passage, before we really dig into chapter 5, I want to just look at a, at a bigger picture really that covers chapters 3 through 6 chapters three through six because this is just in the early stages of the church and it's just getting going and some things are going well uh, you know on the day of Pentecost 3,000 people were saved and then the the, the night that Peter and John were arrested it said there were 5,000 more men that were added to the to the uh, church and we're really seeing this thing take off we're really seeing the church really start to explode and so Satan turns his attention toward the church uh, not that it wasn't ever turned there before, but he's he's really coming to attack the church, and it looks like there are three different ways in which Satan will attack the church. Which he did attack the church. The first of those is through physical violence. I mean, they they, they arrested Peter and John. They arrested them and took them and 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 put them on trial. This is probably the the crudest tactic of Satan that that he would do is to. Um, attack the church through persecution, just to try to crush the church, okay? And and Peter and John, this is, this is what happened. And Peter and John in, in Acts chapter 4, kind of after all of this had taken place, after they had been arrested, after they had been on trial, and they said, we don't know what we can do because obviously there's somebody that was healed, but obviously if we say that they're right, then that means that we're wrong. We can't do that, so this is what we'll do. We'll just tell them to stop preaching. We'll just tell them to stop proclaiming the name of God. And, and in Acts four nineteen through 20, this is the response. Whenever they, were said, whenever they said, hey, 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 stop preaching this Jesus business. Stop preaching this resurrection of the dead business. This is, this is the response, 419. But Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. I love this. We are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. It's like we we can't stop talking about it. We've seen it. We heard him teach. We walked with him. We saw the miracles performed. We saw him come before this same group of people and was sentenced to die. We saw him crucified. We went to the empty tomb. He appeared to us days afterward in a physical body, We can't stop talking. When you see something like that, you can't stop talking about it. When you experience Jesus for who he really is, you can't stop talking about it. So you decide whether it's right or wrong, but this is what we're going to do. And that was their response to the physical violence. That was their response to the persecution. So that was a tactic of Satan. Well, there's another tactic here, and this is what we see in chapter 5. This one is is a little more cunning if you will a little more of a cunning assault but it's moral corruption or even compromise compromise so when I've talked with the the youth uh, several times over the, the last several years and we talk about compromise and we say here's a place where I'd like for my life to be and so what is a compromise a compromise isn't just immediate sin and so I don't know whatever you think is the most grotesque sin you think of that as over there most people don't Stand in a place where they, they're, for the most part, they're living a, a fairly righteous life, and then all of a sudden end up in something that's just is just gross sin. But we're, usually, what happens is there's a little step toward that, okay, and you get comfortable there, and then you make another little compromise, and you get comfortable there, and soon all those compromises, and then and then that's where you end up in a place you never thought you'd be, and so that's how a compromise works, and so his second tactic. Like I say, it's a little more cunning, but it's moral corruption or compromise. See, he attempted to insinuate evil in the interior life of the church to ruin that Christian fellowship. So it wasn't oppression from the outside or persecution from the outside. His second tactic was to come within the church and try to ruin it that way. And that's what we have here with the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And we'll get into that in just a moment. But just a preview of of next week we have his third tactic is distraction and so this most this might be the most subtle of all of his uh, of of all of his attacks on the church distraction you see in chapter 6 what we have is we have a, a need that arises among the church and he he tries to deflect the apostles from what they were supposed to do from their priority from their responsibilities of prayer and preaching and then to preoccupy them with some other ministries and so they he was trying to really just distract them from what they their their responsibilities were but the church overcame that as well and we see the the rise of deacons and we see ministry being fulfilled now this one i think is so subtle because they they weren't distracted to Something that was bad or something that was wrong—it was something that needed to be done, but it was—but it was a distraction for the for, for the church to direct them maybe away from the gospel to simply uh, some type of of care or social uh, pressures in the caring of widows. But and we'll get into that next week. But here we have Satan attacking the church in three different areas, three different ways. And this church that was brand new did not have years of history of understanding how to go about their work. This untaught church, if you will, it would have been exposed to all kinds of false doctrines. But the church, through the power of the Holy Spirit, was able to overcome these. This physical attack with persecution, this moral attack with subversion and, and corruption, and almost a professional attack, if you will, with distraction. And as I as I looked at that and I studied that this week, I was drawn back to the temptations of Jesus. The temptations of Christ in the wilderness. And it's not an exact parallel. It's not an exact parallel, but it's but it's pretty close. If you remember the temptations of Jesus, first he was tempted to turn the stones into bread. You see, he was out there because he was fasting. For 40 days to turn the stones into bread would have distracted him from his purpose then he was charged with bowing down to satan and he would he would be in charge of all these worldly kingdoms well that certainly is corruption to say that let me do something else in order to gain this power corruption there and finally satan tempted him with throwing himself down upon the rocks is that physical violence I don't know, like I said, I don't know that it's an exact parallel, but Satan attacked Jesus, Satan attacks the church, and we see how the early church overcomes these distractions. And so today, today as we are in Acts chapter 5, we're going to look more specifically at what took place with this moral corruption and compromise, this attack that Satan had against the church. And one reason that I wanted to step back and take that picture and just stop and look at the big picture is I think so often in the church when something happens, we begin to look at other people as if other people are the problem. And we need to stop and realize that especially if we are in the church together, we've signed up to be a part of the same team. And so we need to work together and that really an attack an attack, whether it's from outside the church or from within, we need to identify who the real enemy is. The real enemy is Satan. It works that way in the church. It can work that way within a home. If husbands and, and wives are fighting against one another, you need to realize that at some point you committed to being together and that Satan is trying to Satan is trying to separate what God put together. But let's look back at chapter 5. Look at chapter 5 again, and we're going to look at this story of Ananias and Sapphira. Now, in verse 2 and in verse 3, there's a phrase here that said, Ananias said that he kept back part of the money for himself. That, that, that word that or that phrase kept back is really one word in Greek. It's one Greek word. It's a, it's a verb. It's nephesio. Nephesio is a verb to means to misappropriate. Now, keep back. See, in English, I could keep back something and over the years I've learned teenagers will eat whatever I put out in front of them and so if I want to have some food for next week or have some food later, I have to keep back some of that, let them eat that and then I can put some out next time or save some soft drinks for next week, okay? So that's not me keeping back, you know, in order to deceive. That's me keeping back in order to keep things running more smoothly. And so... This is not the same idea here. This, this word really means to mis, misappropriate. Now, it's the same word that is used in the Septuagint. So those of you that are like me, you don't grab your Septuagint every morning to read. Let me explain what that is. That's just a Greek translation of the Old Testament, okay? And so that the, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, but at some point somebody said, we need one in Greek. And so they, they put it in Greek, and it, this word is used one time. It's used... To describe Achan when he stole in the book of Joshua, when he kept back some of the treasures. Now we don't think Achan was just passively just no. He was he was he was sinning. He was stealing. And then it's only used one other time in the New Testament. It's Titus two ten and another and and then it's used there. In your translation, it probably says pilfer or steal. And so this is not something that was just. Oh, he didn't quite do what was right. No, he knew what he was doing. It was it was premeditated is what we have to gather. It was just premeditated. There must have been a contract maybe beforehand that upon the sale of this property, then we're going to give everything to the church. And then when he only presented a portion of it, well, you, you could really say that they were guilty of embezzlement. They were stealing from the church. And so this is what I find really interesting is that Peter is not so concerned he is a little bit he's not so concerned that they stole but he's really upset about their hypocrisy the hypocrisy of everything you see it's not just that they were misers or thieves but they were liars they could have come down and said here's the money is this all of the money from the sale of the home no 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 we kept some of it back they didn't they said yes this is everything This is all. This is everything. And I found one commentator that said this. They wanted the credit and the prestige for sacrificial generosity without the inconvenience of it. They wanted the credit and prestige prestige of sacrificial generosity without the inconvenience of it. Hey, we want it to look like we're big donors here in the church, but... We don't want it to really hurt our lifestyle. But moral corruption and compromise. Again, this isn't necessarily from outside the church walls. Not enemies from without, but enemies from within. Maybe you've heard it said, like the man in the mirror. Sometimes we have to stop and look at our own selves and look at our our own lives. In fact, Jesus tells us before we decide to remove a speck from someone else's eye, we first look and remove the plank from our own eye. We do need to look introspectively from time to time, on an individual level, and also corporately as a church, look within our walls. We have seen the enemy, and he is us. So as we look at this story, and we consider the teachings what can we learn from Ananias and Sapphira? Is God still? Is God still serious? I think so. We. Uh, I'm kind of glad this story's in the New Testament because there's a. There's a false teaching out there that says. There's almost two different gods. There's a God of the Old Testament and a God of the New Testament. The God of the Old Testament, well, he's all about justice and, and, and coming down hard on sin, but the God of the New Testament is all about grace. It's the same God, okay? He may, he may treat each, and, each individual uh, a little differently, but it's the same God. He's sovereign over all. He always takes sin seriously, yet his mercy always endures forever. And so we're going to look at that this morning. Three significant lessons from this story. Three significant lessons from the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And the first one. The first one is the gravity of their sin. You see, falsehood ruins fellowship. Whenever, whenever there are liars, whenever there's untruth, whenever we don't really understand, we can't trust the people that we are associated with, we, and, and, and we must be able to trust one another. This falsehood... It ruins a fellowship. If their hypocrisy had not been publicly exposed and punished, then the Christian ideal of an open fellowship, well, that would not have been preserved either. You see, that it had to be exposed. People had to know that hypocrisy, that lying in in the church is uncalled for. It's not something that we will stand for. And so it it had to be dealt with publicly, and God dealt with it in a very... Immediate and a very severe manner. And here, here is the line that perhaps you've heard. I can't go to the church. There are so many hypocrites in that church. Now, I heard one preacher who said, hey, we got room for one more. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to tell you I've never been hypocritical. Because I have. But it doesn't mean that I'm proud of it. People were with... In this story here, we see a husband and wife who were being hypocritical in the church, seeking, seeking to maybe that prestige, lying to the church, and God dealt with it. God hates... Sin. Now listen, I a few years ago I was with some buddies and we went to Six Flags. Now, I love Six Flags. I like to go and I know that I, I don't like to go when it's 105 degrees, but but I do like to go. I love to ride the rides and everything. But this particular day was really, really hot. And the one ride that you go to when it's really hot is the Monster Plantation because it's indoors and there's a little bit of water and all that kind of stuff. And so, man, it was so hot. And we're going through the queue line along with the other seventy thousand people that are there, and going, going around. And all of a sudden, now this may be a little crude, but bear with me. I turn the corner, whoo, and there was somebody's lunch half-digested lunch. I told you it was crude, but listen to me. That hot, I don't remember if it was July or August, it was a hot day. Here's what we did. Everybody in line. We stepped way around it, even crawling on the bars to avoid that, okay? Nobody wants to mess with that. But when it comes to sin in our life, We might get down and look and see how close we can get to it, right? When when there's something sinful, well, I wonder how close I can get without actually getting into that sin. And then what happens a lot of times is we slip and we fall and we're covered, head to toe in sin. And it's not just gross like vomit. Sin's deadly. But see, we don't treat it that way. God hates sin. We ought to hate sin to the point that we put up parameters to avoid even slipping into sin. Let's certainly not take intentional steps to be in sin. God takes sin seriously. If that's one thing we can see from this passage, the gravity of their sin. God hates sin. The second thing, the importance of the human conscience, the importance of the human conscience intimacy and vulnerability again I'd point you to Sunday school I Man, I went by one Sunday school class this morning they were having just a blast I tell you what I mean um, there's ladies in that room man they they uh, they enjoy one another um, but being a part of a Sunday school class where you can get in and you can know people and look here's the deal we all have sin in our life we all need people to help pray for us we all need people to help us expose that sin, maybe to call us out on it in a very loving way, but we have to be vulnerable. That's just the way that community works. You have to be vulnerable. You have to allow yourself to be for for people to see who you are. Jesus said to the the disciples that they will know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. Taking that along with what C.S. Lewis has to say about love, listen to this. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it up carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. You could not be vulnerable. You could not expose yourself. You could not care to love. Any. And and you, your heart doesn't get broken, but it gets hardened and irredeemable. To love is to risk the chance that it doesn't get returned or that, that love is broken. But that's the way this world is. It's the way we have life. It's, we need to be a part of a fellowship where we can be vulnerable before one another, where we can feel free to share our deepest prayers and concerns with one another without chastisement, without without humiliation. J.D. Greer says, if you expose your sin, Jesus will cover it. If you cover your sin, Jesus will expose it. I like that. The The third lesson here is the necessity of church discipline. Listen, we're not perfect people. We don't really need perfect people here. But we are repentant people. And we need to see people who repent of their sin. And continue to follow Christ. Someone that doesn't repent. Doesn't really understand what it means to follow Jesus. We don't need perfect people. But we are repentant people. And we welcome you. And here's the deal. The, the church. For so long in it's history. When it comes to church discipline. The church seems to oscillate between two extremes. On one extreme. On one extreme. There's this, this severe punishment. And that's that we discipline church members for the most trivial matters. And on the other end, it seems that we don't call out anything. We're so lax in how we treat sin, even for the most serious of offenses. You know, maybe a good rule is just this, that secret sins are dealt with secretly, private sins dealt with privately, and public sins are dealt with publicly. If there's a sin that's between you and a, and a friend, well, that means that it has to be dealt with between you and the friend. But sin can't just be swept away. It must be dealt with. And for our churches, well, we try to follow Matthew chapter 18. And so I want you right now, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 18. because I want to show you something that's here. This This teaching, this this teaching here of Jesus. I'm going to turn there as well. This teaching about how we enact church discipline. Verse 15 through 20. Now, I'm not going to read that for you this morning. You can read that on on your own time. But I love the fact that just before that passage, there's a parable. It's a parable about a lost sheep. That Jesus goes, in, in this parable, he talks about how the shepherd goes and finds the lost sheep to bring them back into the fold. I don't know if is fold the right word. The group. And then the passage that immediately comes after that talks about an unforgiving servant. But the teaching there is how we are to extend forgiveness. So I love the passage that is so often used to, dis- to discuss church discipline is sandwiched between understanding what it means to go and find the lost sheep and bring it back into the group and understanding what it means to extend forgiveness. Because it's not about just kicking people out or excommunicating folks or to say you can't be a part of our church anymore. That's the, that may be the final step, but along the way it's about forgiveness and restoration and repentance. And that's what the church must seek to do. Satan's weapons against us, physical from the outside, persecution, violence sometimes, moral, corruption from within, subversion, professional, maybe a distraction. Last week, Peter and John, they continued to preach the gospel in the face of persecution. Today, this story, the church exposed moral corruption. And my question is, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? Well, the first thing is we need to take sin seriously. We need to take sin seriously. I don't know if there's sin in your life. I don't know if, let me back up. I know there's sin in your life, but I don't know if there's something that you've yet to deal with in your life. And It needs to be dealt with. Allow the Holy Spirit to come and, Take care of your sin. We need to set up our lives so that we avoid sin. The second thing is, I cannot imagine living a Christian life apart from the church. You really need to belong to a church, not just have your name on a roll. Certainly, I think that that's important. I think it's important to sign off and say, I'm a part of this church, and and here I am. But to really be a part of the church, to really be a part of the fellowship and to to allow people to speak truth into your life other than just hear from the pulpit once a week. Allow people to be a part of your life because we're together trying to push one another toward Christ-likeness. And then the last thing is that the church, well, we really need to be careful with our response because we can go to one extreme or the other. We must stand strong against sin and call sin what it is. Not rename it something that sounds a little more palatable, but we must stand strong against sin. But at the same time, I realize the grace has been extended to me and I must extend grace to other people. How do I walk that life? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. We must stand against sin, but we must extend grace. We can't hate people into loving Jesus. We can't hate people into doing what's right. They must see that we love them. And we want what's best for them. And what's best for someone is to turn away from a lifestyle, to turn away from pursuing sin, and turn towards a path that pursues righteousness and pursues Jesus Christ. What must we do? Let's pray. Lord, this passage, it's kind of a tough passage because we see people coming to the church and they're giving something to the church and then they end up dead. But Lord, we see how Satan attacks the church. And sometimes it's in a very subtle manner. Lord, sometimes it's from outside, but oftentimes it's from within. Lord, sin must be dealt with. Help us. Father, as the psalmist says, search my heart. Search my heart and renew a right spirit within me. Lord, if there's anything in my heart, please, God, forgive me. I want to repent of that sin right now and turn to you. Clean me. Make me righteous. Lord, help me be able to do that with others. Father, let us stand strong against sin. Father, let us extend grace. May our conversations, may our words be seasoned with grace. Lord, you speak this morning. May we listen. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to ask if you would stand right now as the the Lord speaks to you. You listen and respond. It may be something you deal with right there in your own chair. The altar is open or I'm here if you would love to talk to me or or just have someone to pray with. But as the Lord speaks, you listen.
3: Lead on, O King Eternal, the day of march has come. Henceforth in fields of conquest thy tent shall be our home. Through days of preparation Thy grace has made us strong, and now, O oh, King eternal, we lift our battle song. Lead on, O oh, King eternal, till sin's fierce wars shall cease, and holiness shall whisper the sweet...
2: To worship, and that we have the freedom in Christ. Amen. Let's uh, let me uh, just share a couple of announcements with you this morning. Uh, Vacation Bible School. Uh, your shirts will they be available after this? Okay, so if you're a worker, you get one free shirt. Uh, but if you need to, to buy a shirt for a kid, um, they're five dollars. Make sure that you do that. Pay attention. There's some. There's a couple of meetings coming up for all workers and. So you don't have to attend both, but try to attend at least one of those, and uh, you, you can see that in your bulletin, and then be sure that you register your, your children, register as workers as well. You can do that online on our church website, and then the last thing I want to share with you is next Sunday night. So we don't have anything happening tonight, okay, uh, but next Sunday night is our music celebration service, and this is a little different than from years in, than, than years past. So at the end of the summer, we'll also have our talent show. But this coming Sunday night, uh, we do want to have you share in music. And so if you've got something that you'd like to share, now, worshipful. So we're, we're trying to separate kind of the comedy kind of music and, and, and just a, a worship experience. So worshipful type thing uh, this coming week. Or if you don't have a musical talent that you want to share with us, maybe you have a favorite hymn. If you have a favorite hymn in the hymn book, we'd love for you to be prepared to share that. So you'll come and say, hey, I want to hear him and be able to tell us what number it is in the book, okay? So you've got to do a little bit of homework. But the other thing that we want you to do, if, if you will, is to look up a little story about that hymn. Tell us a little bit about it. Maybe who wrote it, what circumstances were going on. And I, I know if you'll do that anyway, you'll be blessed to learn about some of the hymns that were written. Uh, you'll 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 learn something about our about our faith. So do that, and we will see you Wednesday night back here. Um, Bill, if you will come and say a closing prayer.
0: That's about Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to come to hear Your Word again and to uh, have You direct our lives uh, as to what is pleasing to You, dear Father. This, uh, thank You for this time that we can go and, and have a little bit of time with our families and, and and travel, whatever we may have in our lives. Dear God, just thank you for your provision, your protection. Uh, send us out as ambassadors always, dear God, to uh, proclaim the goodness of the Lord. It is in Jesus' name we pray.